Welcome to another edition of the Network Exp uh, Perspective, uh, a podcast where we bring industry leaders to discuss today's challenges uh, impacting the networking industry and their innovative ideas or innovative solutions that are solving them. Today we have the pleasure of welcoming, welcoming Sharif Fatou from Compass Data Centers. Uh, he's the managing director there, headquartered out of Dallas. And before we start, I'm going to let Sharif just introduce himself. And he has a, a super interesting background. No, thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the discussion. Um, I'm not sure if you'd uh, like me to add a little bit of background uh, as far as how I ended up at Compass Data Centers and uh, what we're doing with the edge and the network. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Give give the whole give the whole Reader's Digest and more of that. <laughs> the if the if the readers remember what Reader's Digest was, uh, the old timers out there. Fair. We're gonna we're gonna be using some dated references. I'm sure. <laughs> here. Um, so again, my name is Sharif. Um, I started. Uh, I left Google about. Uh, three years ago now, uh, two and a half years ago or so, uh, and started EdgePoint, which later got acquired by Compass Data Centers. Um, I'll kind of tell a story uh, starting from my, my time at Google. Um, my background has been all in the data center industry for the past 15 years, uh, from co-location operations to deploying, you know, whether they're storage clusters or peering nodes uh, all around the world for various online properties. Um, and in 2013, I joined Google and specifically the Google Fiber project where I built and uh, managed the, the national team that was responsible for all of the active nodes in the network. And so what that means is kind of a, a broad spectrum of facilities that included you know, large footprints within Google's own data centers, lots of regional uh, points of presence to peer acquire other networks. Um, and most pertinent to what I'm doing now, hundreds of these little lovingly dubbed fiber huts that would go all over our, uh, our, our markets at Google Fiber. Um, those fiber huts are kind of the place I'll double click on next because it was an interesting story that started with effectively purposing a cell tower shelter, which, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of us all over the world, um, for the purpose of serving kind of a, as the last active node within uh, the pond network. And we started with kind of a very rudimentary design and just stretched that cell tower shelter, but then over the course of you know a little over four years, we saw the criticality go up. Uh, we got we discovered that I you know best practices that are often preached within the data center industry, but didn't really apply within these cell tower enclosures, were creeping up and becoming justified. So having redundancy, having you know backup generators, um, improving the design to uh, address humidity concerns and, and support various uh, environmental challenges, and so. Over many generations at my time at Google, what started with a fairly small, fairly uh, rudimentary box, uh, for lack of a better term, grew into really what turned into almost a little data center. And we were producing these in the hundreds. Um, in 2016, uh, in late 2016, as Google Fiber changed directions and uh, effectively slowed down their expansion, I took a survey of you know, kind of what was next for Sharif um, and realized that the, the footprint that we had built was uniquely positioned to serve certain applications and that the, the data center model of these consolidated monolithic, you know, kind of hyperscale facilities was about to be upended. Um, and so I launched EdgePoint Systems in early 2017, taking, you know, a lot of the lessons learned over those years and, you know, obviously kind of the full ecosystem. Um, 
ended up partnering up with a company called Bitbox that had a unique software product to, to monitor and maintain uh, all of these edge facilities um, and launched EdgePoint. Um, fast forward a little bit in early 2018, uh, Compass acquired uh, EdgePoint and it was a really great matchup because, you know, Compass as a, a company that started in 2012 with a very, you know, I'd say deceptively simple mission of providing customers a secure place to plug in wherever they need. Uh, that mission rung doubly true as we were talking about the edge. And so it was a, it was a great fit and obviously having uh, the capital to support the type of prospective rollouts that we were uh, in discussions with was, was absolutely critical as well. Um, and so now at Compass Data Centers, the EdgePoint uh, solution is specifically positioned to enable all of our customers to deploy to the edge, but more at scale, right? It's not about just putting one facility uh, in a specific city. A hundred is pretty cool, but really putting out thousands. And so being able to support that thousand problem um, from the software perspective to the facility design itself uh, is our big focus. That, that's great. You've been on a, an interesting journey in a pretty short period of time. Um, <laughs> yes, it has been. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's jump into the, I think a lot of people are interested. The edge is clearly on the front of a lot of discussion right now. And it's uh, with, um, with digital business transformation, IoT, the, the future of 5G, um, immersive experiences, um, mobility, um, the edge is, is right at the forefront, um, you know, for, for everybody out there when, uh, you know, I guess when we talk about the edge, it's, it's essentially placing the content, the data, and the processing as close as you can to the action, where the apps, the things, the users consume and, and interact with them. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's an evolution of the whole idea of uh, centralization versus decentralization of IT. And it's, you know, the pendulum has swung back and forth over the decades, you know, from mainframe to, 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 to where we are today. Um, and if you look at um, the edge, it's, or, or edge computing or edge cloud or distributed cloud or however you want to categorize it or name it, um, it's really looking at uh, the issues associated with latency, bandwidth, autonomy, security um, uh, for for applications or workloads, and uh, and the edge ends up being um, for those variety of reasons or variables the right place um, to, to to deploy the infrastructure and the software associated um, with those applications. Um, tell me a little bit more about what you're seeing out there right now. Um, I mean, everybody's talking about it, but in terms of reality, Compass and, and your organization are right there at the forefront seeing it. What, what, what's really going on out there right now from a, from a deployment perspective, from a use case perspective, from, a, from, from in general? How are people using it? No, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I heard a few, uh, you know, quite a few buzzwords as typically uh, exist in the, in the edge conversation. Uh, you know, I heard IoT, um, autonomy, um, but I'll, I'll zoom in on one word uh, you use, Steve, that, that I really locked into, which is action, right? Um, being as close to the action. And, and that, that's really the wave that we're, we're entering into. Um, and, and I'll kind of, you know, butcher some definitions for my own purposes here we're shifting away from the old world of IT, right? So IT was effectively kind of the old world internet as this big digital library, right? And so whether that be video or music or articles and, and books, um, but everything pointed to needing global consolidation because, you know, the best library I could go to is the library that has everything I could want. 
Um, and so I wanted to be able to, to listen to any song. I wanted to be able to email anybody on the planet. Um, and really that, that all points in the direction of centralization, right? And effectively the internet was almost useless from a real world perspective because it didn't affect our actual physical world, right? And that's where that word action really cued in for me. So you shift away from IT and you start looking at operational technology, OT. Um, and OT has you know, been around for, for quite a while. It's everything from a garage door opener or a thermostat. Um, but what, you know, applications in, you know, industrial, uh, in the industrial world, like factory-based PLC systems. Um, it, but operational technology has historically been fairly static, pretty monolithic, um, until lately when OT and IT are kind of converging, right? And so now all of a sudden you have internet-enabled thermostats, uh, you have industrial IoT where everything is kind of connected and, and sending data back and forth and a lot of analytics are getting applied from, you know, whether they be sensors or deploying controls. And now IT is in our physical world and that's, again, bringing it back to action. So now the internet is bringing me a car, the internet is feeding me, the internet is turning on and off my lights or opening my doors. And all of a sudden the data patterns become very different than that traditional kind of giant library model, right? All of a sudden there's different flavors of data that we're getting introduced to that really have, uh, you know, very unique profiles. So some of that data might need to be, uh, you know, obviously everybody zooms in on latency and, and likes to focus on latency, but, you know, really it's kind of the computational transactions. So how fast can we handle and process that data? Um, huge variety there, right? If it's whether my, my car is deciding to quickly avoid a, a, an accident, you know, I, I want that data to be high priority and, you know, have compute readily available for, for microsecond response uh, versus uh, whether traffic is going to be, uh, you know, a little delayed on, on my way to work versus what's the weather going to be like next, next week. All of, all of those data types have Kind of very different profiles and then on top of that you talk about the permanence um, is is that data necessary uh, you know valuable to store or be analyzed for you know minutes days years um, the data that's getting generated for example from my surveillance cameras is valuable to me for or around my home is valuable to me for a few days um, the, vi the video data that's getting generated by my rear view camera on my car for example isn't valuable to me a second after I shift out of reverse. Um, and so when you look at kind of the, the world of the internet impregnating our physical world and really driving action, that's when you start to, to realize that that big consolidated model of, of IT footprints and gigantic facilities stops making sense because that data shouldn't all be handled from you know, a homogenous architecture. Really, you need different layers and levels of whether they be you know, connectivity or storage or, or compute power throughout all of all of the stages, whether it be on on the like city block level or in the on the in building level, all the way to the metro level or state, regional, national, global, and so on. We need distribution of all those services throughout um, to be able to kind of handle this brave new world of IT and OT, you know, kind of combining and. I'll just, I'll tail that off with, you know, there are probably a lot of listeners going, well, he's describing IoT, but I'd say it's an umbrella that covers more than just IoT, but includes that because, you know, examples like, you know, using Uber to, to you know, get a car or rent a scooter aren't traditionally thought of as IoT, but they are operational technology and uh, information technology combining. Uh, that's right. Um, you know, it, um, it, it, it's an interesting world we live in um, as, um, user demands 
um, both from a commercial and from a business enterprise perspective, drive this evolution of technology um, and uh, adapt to uh, the experiences and the, let's call them the immersive experiences that IoT brings to the human being, uh, but also to the things um, and then to very boring applications <laughs> that we know um, that just happen to function much better when everything is closer to that, uh, to that action. Um, let, let's talk for a second because with, with Compass and your, your data center business, you clearly see the opportunity, but you also understand the challenges from an infrastructure perspective as um, your customers come to you with various use cases. Um, this is not a centralized cloud model. We can call this public cloud 2.0 maybe. <laughs> People are talking that, but let's call it distributed cloud or edge cloud. Um, kind of gives it a better, better description. Um, and you're looking at it from a compute and storage, but you know the, the audience here is is particularly focused in on the network, um, and there, you know there are challenges galore um, as um, just in general the always on, always um, available application world. We live in an application driven world now. Uh, mobility, um, you know, the network wasn't designed in many cases to handle, let alone edge, just the general trend that's going on with, uh, with digital transformation and the demands both from a commercial and from a business perspective. Users, um, if an application doesn't work as, as advertised, uh, users will go to an alternative. There are. Um, people bring up, well, if my Uber application isn't working, why don't I just call Lyft? Because something's going on. The, the experience isn't right. You know, just one example. Um, people have choice. Um, and the network um, and its flexibility, um, its cost effectiveness, um, its ability to deliver that um, has not really kept up with the other infrastructure elements. Compute and storage have really embraced concepts like uh, cloud native uh, containers, microservices, the, uh, the, the, the DevOps world, compute and storage have come into that world. Um, but networking is lagged. Um, and I think that's going to have a huge impact as uh, the edge takes on a greater importance in the coming years. Um, from a Compass perspective, uh, you know, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? No, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, double down on networking has lagged. I mean, really, networking is an interesting uh, paradigm specifically because it kind of straddles the, the fence between infrastructure and technology. Um, and so depending on the day of the week, networking is either moving at the pace of infrastructure, which is traditionally pretty slow, um, or it's moving at the pace of technology and, and, and the rest of the stack, which is fairly quick. And today we're kind of in this weird in-betweeny world where some components of it are, uh, you know, real, really rapidly deployed and flexible and nimble. And then some components are almost archaic and solutions that were uh, available decades ago. Um, but I, I like to simplify things and kind of talk about the edge problem is kind of a difference between, you know, building and managing a big cruise ship versus, you know, launching and, and trying to navigate and corral thousands of canoes, right? Um, the, both kind of effectively solve for the same problem of moving stuff across bodies of water, but 
the, the problem with, uh, you know, the cruise ship is, is very, or the problems you encounter kind of running a cruise ship is very, very different from your thousands of canoes problem. And so when you apply that towards, you know, starting from the infrastructure level on the facilities, um, you need the facilities to be as uniform as possible. For example, you don't want a bunch of little snowflakes as you start to multiply these out. And that translates also to your network. You need your network as much as possible to be flexible, meshed, um, and, and to have kind of the, the ability to serve whatever application comes because at the end of the day, we're, we're building for applications that nobody can predict today. And I think, Steve, that's something you said before. It might be something really boring and mundane that ends up being a great application, huge driver of, you know, whether it be efficiency or, you know, a revenue engine. And, and everybody's overlooking it and, you know, focused on you know, crazy VR visions or, you know, cars that are driving themselves. But at the end of the day, we, we can't really guess what those killer apps are going to be. Um, so what can you do to, today is, is prepare, deploy a flexible uh, infrastructure solution, whether it be on the facilities level, the network level, um, that old kind of monolithic model of, you know, forklifting in gigantic routers and uh, managing your capacity in, in terms of line cards and, and new circuits. That starts to break down as, as you get distributed and as you try to serve this next kind of generation of applications. Um, and, and I saw that at, at Google too. I mean, if you want to just focus on kind of capacity modeling, you have this huge challenge of, you know, we'd get these projects of, hey, we need to add a link to every one of 80 routers and 80 different facilities. And by the time you got your field team out with optics and, you know, you got your third party circuits ordered and everything was delivered and we'd have gigantic databases of information trying to track and manage this project. It, the joke we had internally is by the time we, we wrapped up the project or saw the end of the project, we'd get another capacity forecast that would demand another wave of deployment, right? And so um, what you really need is a flexible solution. You know, east-west traffic is far more important in that discussion as you talk about having a single fabric across your network versus kind of the old north-south equation that, that everybody used to focus on. It, it's, it's interesting as you start to think through what's, what's happening here and what's going to happen and the challenges associated with the network where you're going from a centralized model um, with uh, tens or hundreds of sites to thousands, if not people are, are estimating that we're going to go to millions of edge, um, let's call it micro data centers that could be a, a server, could be a single half a rack. Um, you know, or could be larger to address um, the inundation of new applications and use cases and, and experiences that we're going to see. And you start to think about the challenges associated on the networking side, where one is, how about the cost of that? Um, you've got to make sure you've optimized your cost because you can't, redundancy is going to be a luxury. As you go forward, you're going to need something extremely uh, cost efficient um, you can't do a truck roll <laughs> to a million, million <laughs> micro data centers. I, I'm exaggerating a little, but I, I mean, truck roll uh, to a certain extent. Um, you've got uh, security issues that you've got to deal with. And, you know, these are, are remote sites with infrastructure as well. Um, and just overall oper op operation complexity. Um, and, you know, how do you go and let, let's use the term, how do you get to where you have an autonomous network, you know, uh, where... Uh, you can manage this in a very effective way across uh, dozens, hundreds, thousands of sites as you go forward as you deal with customer demands. Um, you know, I'm sure maybe we're not there yet, but I'm sure Compass is seeing that as customers start to think about the direction of their business and how IT is going to support that both 
internally and from a customer partner constituency constituency perspective no no absolutely it's uh we kind of joke internally that that anybody can deploy a single edge site right there's no art in that it's like scrambling eggs anybody can do it But, oh, well, you're, you're stretching it on that one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope almost everybody can scramble some eggs. But, uh, but, you know, anybody can deploy a single edge site. The art becomes in building a program and offering a platform to solve for that hundreds and thousands. And as you said, the edge isn't just, you know, the, the current data center form factor that we're, we're delivering today. The edge goes all the way down to the 50 watt level as, as you start, you know, deploying smart devices and access points within, within buildings. So the edge is a whole spectrum. But the point is, how, how, do, you, how do you manage and how do you solve for, for that? You're absolutely right when you talk about, you know, archaic terms like truck rolls. Um, the cost of, of operating uh, you know, a distributed infrastructure just it grows exponentially as as you go into facilities, um, as you go into more facilities. And so, automating as much as you can. Um, I, it's funny you, you hooked on something that I'm going to pick on, but you said redundancy is going to be a luxury. And I'd actually argue that when people look at the operational costs of needing to, and, and this is again not 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 coming because I'm I'm a smarter person, but coming from my experience. When you look at the operational cost of rolling a truck because you had an, an issue or something fail and you're now paying for a truck roll on Thanksgiving evening, um, versus going ahead and paying for that duplication of infrastructure, it, it really does make that that decision a lot more complex. And I think a lot of people have this view of the edge as um, this very kind of thin fog, so to say, that, that's distributed everywhere and, uh, you know, absolutely meshed and, and amazing. But when you go to the infrastructure level, failures, whether it be from a power side or a cooling side or connectivity, th- those, those failures absolutely are, are critical. And what you can't afford is every one of those failures to trigger spinning out a truck. You want to build a program that has operational schedules that you can kind of service the fleet in a very predictive method rather than a reactive method. Um, but then as, as you're looking throughout kind of the network, it, you know, the edge problem becomes, you know, adds a lot more metrics to the equation because really at that point, the network becomes more than just bandwidth and latency, which are kind of the old, you know, you, you'd, you'd stare at a, a little MRTG graph back in, back in my day of your bandwidth numbers and, and oh, okay, might be time to, to upgrade that link. Or, you know, you, you'd look at your average latency to a few other uh, destinations around the world and go, oh, huh, there must be some, some routing issue we should dig into. Well, now, now you're looking at IO operations. You're, you're seeing the network really climb into the stack you know, as far as on the server side. And so you're looking at IO operations and container duplication and all, all of these elements that, you know, are, are now kind of the network merging with, with your traditional kind of IT stack, so to say. Um, and and it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's very challenging. You know, it's, uh, I think, deploying a solution from a network perspective that is designed from the ground up to be, you know, managed like the rest of, of your, your server stack, which is, you know, fleet managed using, you know, whether it be Kubernetes and Docker and all, all those tools to, to make managing a large fleet of devices uh, uh, easy and, and, and economically feasible. Um, you absolutely need to apply that same lens when it comes to the network. Yeah, that's, that's where we're seeing all the, um, the excitement about, let's call it unifying the operating model, where today you have compute and storage essentially, um, uh, embracing or have embraced for many years um, cloud native DevOps, CI/CD, um, Kubernetes, 
Um, and now, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to bring networking into a unified model, which will be more, you know, uh, even more important as we get to this distributed model um, using, using uh, principles of DevOps and CICD and Kubernetes. Um, so you, you create something that's a whole lot more effective and efficient than you have in the past where things have been fragmented and very fragile, um, where people have essentially not wanted to touch the network, um, which is, uh, essentially impossible today as we go to, uh, uh, a fanned out environment, um, that'll address, uh, the requirements for today and, and in many years in the future. Um, so, you know, I think people are, you know, let's kind of wrap this up with, um, you know, where, where do you see the market going over the next, you know, edge is a hot topic right now. It's clearly um, got some, some legs that are going to be running extremely fast given where the world's going, the, the use cases we were talking about. Where, where, what do you see over the next 24, 36 months um, for, the, for the audience out there? <laughs> glad to put, share put, my, your, put your hat on your crystal ball whatever you yeah want. Uh, i was gonna say glad to glad to share my crystal ball prediction yeah. as long as you promise to delete this recording oh sure sure absolutely you can trust me <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah you know i mean it's it, it's really interesting to me because you know the discussion today is is very kind of hyped up and and energized around you know, all, all these next generation applications and a bunch of people trying to predict, you know, which application is going to emerge as the true driver uh, of the edge, so to say. And so, you know, 5G gets thrown in there and, you know, every, every slide deck I see has a picture of somebody with some VR goggles on and, you know, some, some great picture of us having Thanksgiving dinner with our family in virtual reality. Um, and, you know, it, it's really funny because the, the pragmatic lens that, that we've taken and, and that we're really seeing come to fruition sooner than 36 months is an old story of just bandwidth economics, right? Is uh, at the end of the day, all of these new applications are driving data patterns that are, as I mentioned near the beginning, not not really justified of that kind of central repository method. They're, they're hyper-local data patterns. And when you think about shipping that data across the country or across the world, um, it really becomes in, infeasible, right? And so, you know, if you want to just take a simple example of video surveillance, there's no reason for my facility to have its video data stored, you know, half a, half a country or globe away. Um, it really doesn't do anybody any good. And at the end of the day, when I'm playing back that data, there's a high likelihood that I'm going to be pretty close to the facility I was monitoring. Um, and if not, I can request it, you know, to, to be sent up. But all of that data doesn't need to by default be shipped across the world. And so really when you look at just the very simple lens of bandwidth economics, that we're, that's what we really see as the driving force of the edge. And you know, if I had to stare into my crystal ball, that's really what's gonna come to fruition over the next couple of years is uh, as we, you know, there's kind of a few truisms at play, you know, there, there's Moore's law, there's Metcalf's law. Uh, and so you know, Moore's law is all about, you know, uh, processing power getting you know, more condensed and, and cheaper. Uh, Metcalf's law is as you distribute nodes within a network, the value of that network goes up. If you converge those two, that's effectively where the edge is today. And I mean, those are, in my opinion, the two laws that have really stood the test of time as far as technology has evolved. Um, and so, you know, when you apply Moore's law and Metcalf's law, what, what makes sense is we need to bring the data closer to the user. We need to add more connection points within the network uh, that are distributed, uh, you, know, you know, wherever the users and applications are needed. Um, and we effectively need a solution that's, you know, 
not that big gigantic library in the sky that we call the cloud, but something that's more like the blockbuster. And, and here's my old school reference to, uh, to tie in the blockbuster video store around the corner. Right. right. That's, uh, that's great. Well, um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been uh, super interesting and it's going to be super interesting as we go forward because this story is just starting. So I'm sure we'll have you back at some time in the future and you can provide your next set of uh, predictions <laughs> with your shined up crystal ball. But uh, Sharif, um, thank you very much. Um, the best of luck to you and to, to Compass uh, as, uh, as you uh, push into uh, and push beyond the edge. Uh, and uh, this is Steve Deitch from SnapRoute, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me, Steve. I had a great time.